You're listening to Comedy Central. Welcome to the show. It's You Up with Nikki Glazer, the podcast. Um, got a, a great show for you today with a guest who I teased last week because we did tape an episode, but it fell through the cracks somehow. And she's back with me today. I love her so much. Um, she is one of the greatest stand-ups of all time, and she's now retired from the game. She is someone who um, I admire greatly and worked with early on in my career. One of the first people I ever opened for at the Stanford and Sons Comedy Club in Kansas City in the year of 2004 or something like that. She was very nice to me, even though I was terrified of her. I've never seen a funnier live show in my life than the time I sat in the audience with my best friend, Kirsten, and we watched third row Lisa destroy a crowd. It's, um, it's Lisa Lampanelli, everyone. Yay, Nikki. And I was like taking note of everything you said to make sure you gave me just as good an introduction today as you did last week on the episode that got erased. Yeah, I think I did a good job of it. 150 fucking percent. Oh, good, good. I mean, you deserve it. it I didn't even have to prepare for it. It's just I just uh, try to access what is truly in my heart in this moment. And um, I met, we, we became friends when we both did the, the roast of Ronnie the Limo Driver on the Howard Stern Show, which is where you officially announced your retirement from stand-up comedy. Um, uh, what precipitated that? Why'd you get out? And because I, I feel... Uh, I feel similarly. I've always said this, you know, stand-ups talk like it's going to be forever. This is what I was made to do. Right, and I'm like, right. now, I don't know if that's for me. Well, here's what I think. I discovered through therapy afterwards that I said, I don't think, I think stand-up was a way to connect with people versus a calling for me. So mm -hmm. basically once I found a way to connect with people in other ways, I didn't have to do that anymore. So right. it wasn't, first of all, I just wasn't finding that much joy in it anymore. I was never like miserable, but I was like, oh, if I keep doing this, I'm going to be miserable and like quit before you're miserable is my theme of my life. Cause yes. sell the house before you hate it, get out of the marriage before you cheat. Like don't like notice before you hate something. So with stand up, it was like, wait a minute. It literally was just a way to connect and go, oh, I don't know how to talk to people one-on-one. -on -one, so I'm going to just talk to this room and they're captive and they have to listen to me. So right. when I started doing storytelling shows, I was like, oh, I'm still connecting with them. And also I'm connecting with friends more, family more. So I think all that just added up to like, I don't have to do this anymore. And thank God I was raised by depression era parents who were like, save money, save money. So I could afford to, I mean, I don't live lavishly by any means, but I could mm -hmm. just not be super terrified of money. Right. Um, but you, that's a part of it that I, I admire because- in you stepping away from it because you were making a lot of money tour. Like oh it, it, it's like, once love, you get to a place, you can make so much money. So I mean, pre-COVID. Oh yeah. You know, I always say I love money, but I realized last week the reason I love money and I say it is because I'm generous almost. I think I found out this past week because I'm dealing with family and the will and different things. Sure. I'm, I'm noticing I'm generous to a fault. Yeah. And I think that is a fault when you think you can't offer anything else. So you give money or gifts instead. So I think that's something to monitor, but I love that money has enabled me to go to workshops, take, have therapy nonstop. Mm -hmm. I mean, right now I have two therapists. I'm like, Oh, thank God. Or I wouldn't be able to get through all this craziness. So I think that's what money affords me. Yes. I loved staying in hotels like the peninsula for like 2000 a night, but yeah. You go, it never really counts and it never lasts. 
but you do get addicted to dough. Dough is fun. It's so fun. And it, 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 I was at a place of making a lot of it and now I'm, I'm making none of it and I'm just, it's bleeding away. And yeah. I also am someone who is overly generous with people and um, I, loans turn into gifts for some reason. Yes. Things that are like, we'll pay right. you back, just turn into, thank you for that money you gave us. And I'm like, hmm? Yeah, um, but oh, well, I, I also don't want to, I don't, I, it's a, I'd rather spend money on other people than myself, essentially. Well, I think it has is something, again, that we have to notice and monitor. I think what we're learning through therapy and COVID and just everything is the noticing. Notice when, oh, is that, am I writing that check out of guilt? Am I writing it out of lack in me? Am I writing it out about getting endeared to somebody? Or is it literally generosity that, like, I love you? And a friend of mine, even before I started stand-up, God, when I was, like, 30 years old, he was like, I never lend money. I just give it. And I, even if it's a friend or family member, I yep. just go, don't pay me back. And it's right. interesting because that works really well. Like, and you do it less because you have yes. no expectation of getting it back. Then you get something back and you're like, holy crap, what a happy accident. Right. So I think the money can be very captivating, but we have to monitor and notice just like everything in life. Like, notice why we react how we react during the day why do we reach for the food why do we have to you know uh drink have 10 starbucks lined up in our refrigerator out of scarcity why do we have to because i know you why? have addiction why? are you addicted to, to you're addicted to starbucks too you, yeah. you go and you okay i have four talk to me about that i okay what happens is i got weight loss surgery as you know 10 years ago so you can't eat much food so i enjoy consuming something. Yeah, I love that. So I said, let me, let me learn a trick from these anorexics. They're geniuses. Cause by the way, I think there has to be a study on that. Anorexics are literally the smartest mental disorder there is. Thank I you. mean, they know how to manipulate people. Oh, <laughs> yes. The receiving end of so many's manipulations. Uh, I have friends for anorexic. You guys know what you're doing. Yeah. I always, I've always heard that, that it's like it's, anorexics are smart. And I've always been like, yeah. kind of like, oh, pat myself on the back, even though it's just like a torturous thing to go through. But yeah, we're, we're sneaky. Yeah. And we yeah. figure out ways to make, uh, it's, be able to consume a lot with like nothing. No, with no, you'll eat mustard. I get it. Yes. You'll cut sandwiches with a fork and knife. Trust me, I was in food rehab with a bunch of anorexia. Right. I get it. So I go, well, I like to consume a lot. So first of all, I got to get a ton of gum. I have an anorexic friend and we literally text back and forth. I can't wait till COVID's over so we could chew gum together again. Oh my God. Addicted to Mentos, cotton candy flavored, sugar-free gum. I wish I could show you the trash can in this room right now. I, I, I could, but I'm not going to because there's probably 12 packs of empty gum in there. And this is for, from like a week. I well, chew gum like crazy because... Uh, I have to be, like you're saying, I have to be consuming something at all times. Cigarettes yeah. were that way. Now it's coffee. Right. It's, it's seltzers. It's just like consuming empty things so that you're not, you know, going to pack on the pounds, but there's always something going in. Well, and also it's to not feel. So yes. I we're drinking that Zevia stuff. Yes. So I drink oh, Zevia. God yeah. damn this stuff. I drank that for a while till I was like, like, Fucking drink Diet Coke. Cut the shit. You know what I, I mean? Know. What are you doing? No, but that, it's good for you. I just, it's so expensive too. It's like seven ninety nine oh, for 10 of them. It's ridiculous. And it's like hard to get. You have to go to Target and special order. I'm like, yep, yeah. So what I did was I said, you know what? 
we have to monitor and say to ourselves, am I drinking that Starbucks and getting those four to go cups like a mental patient in my car? Is it out of scarcity that I can't get it if I want it? Is it out of I can't feel my feelings so I have to stuff even with mm-hmm. liquid? You know, right. so everything's about noticing and it sucks to notice. And sometimes me and my best friend always go like this. We go, you know what? Sometimes we're going to F up and have this thing or that thing. We're going to have the meaningless, I'm not me, but like we're going to have the meaningless sex or we're going to have the, um, you know, the big sugary thing or we're going to have whatever thing and not feel good. We're going to do some kind of uh, uh, OCD kind of gross behavior. We're going to, we're and, not perfect. And then we forgive ourselves and move okay. on. The whole problem is beating ourselves up. Yeah. You expect anorexics and bulimics are classic self-punishers. They beat themselves up. They have to earn food. God forbid yes. you didn't get on a treadmill after a meal, you mm-hmm. know? And it's so sad that we can't just go, oh, if my best friend told me she overate and then felt sick and couldn't get off the couch, I would be like, hey, man, you know what? You learned from it. Or yes. maybe you didn't. Forgive yourself and move on. If we do it ourselves, we're like, I'm the biggest piece of shit. I'm undisciplined. I'm a bad person. And add on to that years of fat abuse and fat weight stigma, where if you're fat, you are basically the synonym for lazy, stupid, like every bad stereotype is fat. So like, no wonder I felt I had to get weight loss surgery because I was battered since I was 18 about not being okay. And I applaud the people who have fat acceptance now. Me, I couldn't get there and it's sad. I mean, was, how long were you overweight? Was it your whole like adult life until you had the surgery or? Well, I think I started noticing my body and that it wasn't quite like acceptable, even though I was really thin. Mm-hmm. There was like, when you hit pure puberty, you get thighs and hips. And even if they were small, they're different. Like it's like, yeah. oh, I'm not that stick figure anymore. And I liked that stick figure thing. And I liked that I was like the one in the family who carried the torch of like, oh, there's hope for Lisa. She's thin. The rest of us are fat, but she's thin. So then I get to gain weight in college, real weight. And I was like, oh my God, now I'm a huge disappointment. My family is going to be like, you don't have value, even though they probably would never have said that. Um, So I was like, I failed on so many levels. Let me diet it off. And that's when I was the closest to having an eating disorder. And thank God I didn't get into full-blown anything. It just ended up a really horrible diet, way underweight, and then the binge diet cycle for till I was 50. Right. And then what, what lifted for you at 50? Was it just the surgery? I mean, you, you or the two therapists? I mean, what were you, was there a moment for you that you just go, what am I doing? What, I'm going to let myself feel my feelings. I'm going to put down the, the food and let it wash over me. I mean, I'm struggling with that in terms of, just this, you know, constant consumption. If I'm not consuming, I'm on a run so that I don't have to think yeah. about why I'm not consuming. You can't eat when you're running or I'm uh, take a nap or I go and meditate. Like I always have to be doing something to push down whatever. I don't know what the feelings are and what yeah. is going to happen when they come up. Well, I remember when we talked right as COVID was starting you and I did your show and you said you hadn't cried yet. Yeah. And I'm a big believer in feeling your feelings, even though I know how hard that is. So 
it was, you know, my dad had died, I think, uh, but he got really sick right after I got the surgery. So I think what happened was I was sort of getting used to feeling feelings a little. And I said, I got to get rid of this weight so I could start from square one, give myself a do-over and see if I can get out of being depressed about how I look and depressed about weight stigma. I said, let me then start really in earnest working on myself, even though I'd had therapy since I was like 25. Right. So I was like, okay. And everyone is afraid that if you start crying, you'll never stop. Yeah. Or that feelings will never end. And it's almost people always are like, my feelings will kill me. Mm. I guarantee other than the poor people who feel desperate and commit suicide or self-harm or whatever, feelings really can't kill us. And they really never send us to bed for months on end. Right. We kind of just feel them. I remember as COVID started, I hadn't watched uh, This Is Us the last three seasons. And I was like, oh, I need to cry. I'm watching that motherfucker. And I spent a whole weekend just in tears. Yeah. Even crying at like happy parts. So I'm like, oh, these tears needed to come. So it's, that's why we stuff. And that's why we're just so afraid of feeling when if all we did was feel it and be encouraged as children to feel it and encouraged by teachers to feel it, we probably wouldn't have all these like drinking and smoking and eating issues but this is how we're raised. It's nobody's yep. fault. It's role modeled to us. And it's sad. It is. It's, um, it, it feels too much to take on yourself. And whenever I, you know, oftentimes the only way to get me to cry is to talk to someone else and talk about my feelings. And then I start crying when I'm describing stuff, but I need sure. a, a witness, you know, and then I feel guilty that I've put this on someone else because a lot of my feelings are so dark and so twisted that I don't want to worry other people. And I kind of did it this weekend. I dumped some feelings onto my mom and I can just tell she's now walking around me with like handling me with kid gloves as is my dad. I just went on a run and my dad like called me in the middle of it. Cause I think he went, he thought I was like went off and found like a bridge or something like right, right. They're, they're all now I've, I've created this like air of concern in my house that I don't want. So I'd rather just like, have it the the brunt of it myself however the other night i did this thing which you know i'm in different um groups that i won't mention by name but sure. um they often talk about a something greater than yourself kind of helping sure. you and being there with you and i've i i'm i'm having i'm struggling like grasping that concept but i've just started praying which i've you know i this is an atheist household it's like my mom yeah. walked in on me the other day the other morning because i i meditate in the morning and then i get on my knees next to my bed, like uh, yeah. you know, a little good little Puritan. And I cross, you know, hold my hands together and I pray to God, whatever that means. I truly don't even know what it means. I think I'm praying to a ghost of a friend who died in high school. Like that's just like kind of what I'm thinking of. I just want someone else to help me to, to, to take and, some of the, right. the weight of what I'm feeling because I can't do it alone. And I hate that no one else can feel how I'm feeling and understand it. And I know that there are people who've also like, you know, reached out to me because I talk about this a lot on here that also go through this. But for some reason on my daily life, I just feel like it's too much to carry. And I just feel so bogged down by it. But the other day I got on my knees and was praying in the morning and my mom did the thing of knocking and then opening before you say enter. And she caught me praying. I swear to God, I would have rather caught her, like caught me in a gangbang because it's so foreboded in my house to pray. I'm sure she told my dad, like Nikki was praying. Um, It was so humiliating, but it helped. 
Well, here's what I think. I think, first of all, there's a lot to unpack there as they Sure, say. yes. Of course you need a witness, but you have to pick wisely from your wise self and not your trauma self. Mm. So our trauma self makes us always pick our parents, pick no. who we think should have been there all along, yes. and they do their best. So we have to monitor our contributions and say, okay, who is my, you almost have to in your phone have the list of, you know, whether it's with me, it was Al-Anon or Codependence Anonymous or whatever. Okay, the list of people who get that part. Yes. Who will just witness it and mirror it back and say, I've been there, I'm witnessing it. Because you can't do alone. That's like a big thing. You cannot do anything alone. No. Second thing is your father being worried, your mom being worried. It's a hard thing because you love them, but the whole thing is you can't control their journey. Yes. Their journey is to worry and manage it. And they have each other to say, I'm worried about Nikki. We can't call her when she's on a run. That's caretaking. So unfortunately, you love them so much because they're great people, but that's their journey. Part of me wanted them to worry. Isn't that weird? You know, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Wanted, wanted me to, because un- they see me walk around the house. I'm doing Zoom calls. I'm doing the podcast. I'm jumping from here to there. And they think I have this full life. And I hear them talk about me and, yeah. and to their friends. Right. And I'm like, wow, they don't even understand how I'm actually feeling inside. So I kind of just like put it all out there for my mom the other night and dumped it on her. And I felt, so bad doing it, but I needed them to know because they're so naive and you just want, you want someone else to, I just didn't want to be alone with it anymore. And um, I, don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And anyone who observes you, me, or any other comic or anybody else kind of living through now knows we're all a fucking mess. Yeah. Like, who do we think we're kidding? You know what I mean? Like, it's hard. Everything now is hard. It's like walking through molasses or mud every fucking day is a slog. And it's like, okay. What do you do, Lisa, when you're, when you're having a bad day? Like what are some, what do you journal? Do you you call friends? You, you don't know journaling? I don't do what I call, because I've been involved with so many workshops, taught them and taken them with journaling and this, that, the other. And I'm like, I don't do that gay ass shit. Which is <laughs> not a gay slur, so I'll fuck you oh back. My you oh know, my Lisa, God. You know Lisa's heart is with the gays. Um, I basically, it's, I have people I get in touch with. Like I call them, I vent. I say, I'm gonna vent. Like this is maybe a way in the future with your parents to say, look, I'm gonna vent for 10 minutes. Forget everything I say after it. Like, I literally just ah. need way to hear. I sometimes call for advice to people. Sometimes I just sit and watch something funny. Like last week, I literally was having such a dark day because of just family shit and my aging mother that I literally go, I need to write a book called Thank You, Kevin James, because I literally had King of Queens on in the background <laughs> on you, and then sometimes with the sound up for 48 hours because it was like, there's this little release and joy in that. So I then also, I cry when I need to. I know it sounds so, like it's literally a term. I'm like, cry when you have to. Like it's bad, cry when you have to. So I don't force anything as far as like trying to like freaking breathe or meditate. Like I do it when I'm in a crisis mode. Like today I started getting not in the present moment Sure. Oh my God, I'm so worried about this circumstance with a lawyer. Okay, 
And then I go, oh, she says, my, one of my shrinks has all those tools. And she's like, do ocean breath. I don't fucking remember what ocean <laughs> breath is. All I remember is you take some in your nose and out your mouth. So just fucking do it. So I did that. And I go, honestly, like two breaths. I was like, okay, I'm back to present. So right. it's not easy because you have to catch yourself. But then you go, oh, it worked. I also have, and this is, again, this is this trauma therapist I go to who um, she had helped the Parkland shooting victim. I mean, she had helped like people who had way more trauma than me. Wow. Because I only have traumas with small T. They have trauma with a big T. Mm. And she had me find last week a safe place. And it's literally someplace that literally just presented itself to me. I was like, oh, I know exactly where that is. And it's kind of a place that brings you back to, I'm fine. I'm safe in this moment. And as you know, with the program, it's like, do I have a roof over my head? Do I have food in the refrigerator? Do I have someone to call? Yes, I'm safe. So a lot of those trauma tools really help. What's your safe place? I remember I was playing cards with my mom. She was probably about 88. It was like two summers ago. We're sitting in her house, which I still love my mother's house. I hope I'll be there someday, retired. And a deer, it was a really sunny, one of those super sunny days. They don't have a big property at all, just like really cute with lots of trees. Literally this enormous deer came and I'm not an animal person much. Like I have my dogs, but I'm not, not a vegan. I had chicken the other day, sorry. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I see this deer and she was enormous. Like, so she clearly was pregnant and she sat under a tree and stared at us for over an hour, which is so weird because deers, I don't think they like sit and stare at you. And it was right in my eyes. And I kept glancing. I go to my mother, is that fucking weird? I go, that deer, she's not going anywhere. She comes back like two weeks later with the little baby. Oh my gosh. And I was like, okay, so cute. And I was like, I think that made me feel like this is home. I'm home. And I could, I mean, it sounds so woo-woo, but like my shrink is like, like, what did it smell like? What does the deer's fur feel like? What is her right. eyes? What does she say when she looks in your eyes? When she asked me that, I burst into tears last night because I was like, what does she say when you look in her eyes? And I just fell apart in a good way. And I was like, she says you're enough and you're going to be fine. Aww. And I was like, if, so that's a good thing to go back to. So I love these tools that I can actually do instead of some, yeah. I'm going to journal for like, five hours and see what comes up you know suck my dick that's what comes up yeah you know sometimes like i really struggle with journaling too and yoga and things like that i can meditate every morning because it's just like I, i've gotten into the practice of it and anything you can get into the practice of can work but journaling i just always feel like i'm failing somehow i actually last time i talked to you i had saved a bird in my front yard and then yesterday i was on a run and there was a bird in the middle of the road and it was like a really busy road. And I could tell it was like too small to like, it was just sitting there and there were cars coming and I just ran out and like put my hand up and stopped the cars. I mean, this is a busy road. And yeah. I picked up this bird and, um, and I brought it to the side and then I could hear its mom like cawing at me from a tree wow. nearby. And I, um, and it was freaking out cause it was just like, had its mouth wide open, was just staring at me so scared. And I, and I was previous to this, I was literally running on the phone with my friend sobbing cause I was just so sad. And I was talking to my friend crying 
And then I was like, I got to go. I got to save this bird. And I hung up on my friend and I saved this bird and I put it in, in this like shady wooded area. And it probably is dead now because it looked like injured or whatever. And it like had bugs crawling out of it, but it still was like a connection yes. to nature. And like that bird would have like been smashed within seconds yes. had I not been there at that time. And it just, I just feel like there's something uh, that, that helps me right now when you were saying the safe place, like sure. me looking at that bird's eyes and it being so scared, but me knowing that I wanted it nothing but love for it and it kind of understanding because it kind of just like calmed down a little bit was okay, like here's, such here's, a peaceful moment. I'm going to interrupt you because here's what I want. This is how workshop leaders talk. Listen to this. Okay, this is what I want. Here. I want to invite you to, I hate when they say that. I'm like, no, just fucking do it. Don't invite them. Do just <laughs> don't do let, I don't have to no. RSVP to something. All right. As you were saying that, honestly, this is what came up in me and I'm really wise. I like, I'm sick of like acting like I'm not. No, you're so wise. You need to look at yourself like you looked at that bird. Yeah. You are that bird. I am that deer. Yeah. You literally the way, do me a favor, please. If you don't do anything else other than okay. eat food, eat your meal plan and listen to this podcast back. <laughs> one instance, listen to how you talked about that bird yeah. And say that to yourself because you've legitimately said words that we should be saying to ourselves. You were like, I was, it was, I, I you, you know, I wanted to have safety. I want to have, get it into, you know, I want to look in his eyes. I want to do this. I want to yeah. save it. I rushed Let over. Let it know it's going to be okay. Let it like know that that's... I'm not going to hurt it. That it's, yes. it's it does, it, yeah, that that's I wanted your... to put it in a safe place. That's your self-talk for you because we, if we only treated ourselves as well and talked to ourselves as well as we do to these animals, I remember I was constructing this food and body image workshop and my dog, it was a, we were kind of at my house trying to figure it out and it was a bunch of women, big yentas, a bunch of yentas hmm. and Parker, my first dog, I guess he had a stomach flu or something and he threw up. And I go, oh my God, oh my God, you poor little thing. And all the women are staring at me and they go, if we talk to ourselves right. the way we t you just talked to that dog, we wouldn't have eating problems. Ah, uh, yes. So think of yourself as that bird because you deserve that kind of love and that, and I'm not saying rescue in a codependent sense, but you need that reaching out from people. Yes. You know, I told you last week, I, I was like, Oh, I worry about you because I want you to have a great life other than comedy. Don't retire and be someone who doesn't know how to connect one-on-one -on -one or ask for help or have community. And there's something about looking at my phone and it's just something I constructed over the last few years, a group of people, they don't even know each other, that I'm like, oh my God, this one gets it. This one gets it. I can call in anytime, day or night. That took a lot of freaking effort because yeah. we are so driven out of scarcity and out of, you know, hi, look at me. I'm worthy. I'm worthy. Construct your life now of how you want it to look when you're out. Because someday we're all going to be out just because we have to, we're, we're physically infirm and can't get out, out to do comedy or whatever. Right. So start working on that now because you're so young that you can go, wow, what a nice life I've got built. Comedy's 20%, friends, family, 20%, money, 20%, and gum, gum and seltzer, the other 20%. Yes. 
yes. at Starbucks. Balance your life. By the time we talk next, I expect your homework to be done. <gasps> Lisa Lampanelli, thank you so much. I um I can't believe you're my friend and that I just got like, you just hit the nail on the head. I almost start crying when you were saying that because the way I do look at birds is the way that I want would want um anyone to to treat at that the, the I, I have more compassion for animals than I do for myself or other people and I need to start like uh, yeah expanding you will, you will. You will. Yeah. now that you are reminded of it by your hero and mentor Lisa yes I will I'm oh. thinking about that little bird that's probably dead now but um well, no, probably she's probably fine she's, she's probably alive and she's probably at her eating disorder group right now. <laughs> How dare you out me. Uh, Lisa, I love you so much. You're the freaking best. Thank you for redoing this podcast. It was even better than the last one. I really think a lot of people are going to get something out of this, including me. I love you. Where can people find out about your, I mean, are you life coaching people? I'm coaching one-on-one the occasional person who I can stand. If you're a big pain in the ass, don't email me. But if you aren't, go to lisalampanelli.com. Also uh, on Instagram, I finally picked it up again after taking a two-week burnout break. From- <laughs> and, uh, I'm back in. Uh, Lisa Lampanelli. If you can't spell it, you know what? Go fuck yourself. Yeah, I- seriously. Go fuck yourself. And, by the way, Nikki, I'll talk to you next Monday when she erases this one. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> Thank you, Lisa. Um, I love you. Love you. See you soon, honey. That was so good. Oh my God. I feel, um, I feel better. I was feeling like total shit this morning. Thank you all to, for all of your DMS and, and messages to me about, um, how to cope with depression and what you do. And, um, it's all helping so much. I'm going to a new doctor today. I'm going to look into that. I am on it and I, um, I'm going to keep talking about it because I know it helps me. I hope it helps you and, uh, squirt, squirt, uh, jackpot. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.